0: Yes, today is my good friend John Verby. He is a health and wellbeing expert who has presented to some of the largest companies in Australia, including BHP, Shell, NAB, ANZ and Santos. He is a personal trainer with community and corporate health experience for over 30 years. He has his own business called Inspirology. One of the divisions is called My Body Analysis. It is a body composition analysis, in short, is not just measuring the height and weight or your BMI. It's really giving you a true indicator of your body composition to truly understand where you and your body needs to improve. Auto, measure, don't guess, really encapsulates what he does in his day-to-day business. He's a funny guy. We had a very enjoyable chat. John did most of the talking. He loves calling everyone athletes. We spoke about what it's like for those who don't believe they are athletes and the mentality on, on retraining them into calling themselves athletes. Touched on gyms, the positives and negatives of gyms, which gyms to look out for which ones you should be wary of and which ones you should really look at because they can provide a much better community experience. It's only natural that we spoke about bikes considering that's how we met on a total rush ride wearing pink like going for a ride down beach road. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thanks very much, John Verby. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Earth to athletes. Fantastic. So I'm not sure, you've done one podcast
1: before. Uh, I've done it the Fight and Fit? I did Fight Fit and I did another one for a... Um, a medical group, actually I've done three. I've done done one for a medical group in Marlborough somewhere, I think it was, and then in Knox, I uh, did one for a Jim Swift somebody rather. So I have, yeah, I've done a you Because I watched
0: but I watched what, what sounded like your very first, and you're all pumped and yes, oh well, there's a bit of oh here we go. What's this about? A, he's on drugs. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been for Fight Fit. I think that was. Yeah, I reckon it was. Reckon you're I sitting on a couch
0: fun. and you were leaning over and talk, <laughs> talking. Yes, about your talking fight. to Jake.
1: Yeah. Yes, talking That's about my one. first ever preparation for my first ever fight, which I was really disappointed about. Because what happened with that? Well, um, I didn't. I didn't read a whole lot. I, you well, were all pumped. We had a yeah, chat about it. I was, all, I was all set to go. Um, but because I was the oldest there by like twenty five years or something, um, there weren't a lot of opponents. And there was one one other guy that was probably fifteen years younger than me. He was who was going to be my opponent? He tore his bicep off the bone in in the week. before. Before the fight, um, which didn't worry me because I was happy to fight him with just one arm. <laughs> <laughs> him with one arm, not me. Yeah, um, I thought I was half a chance then, so I didn't have an op- opponent, so I wasn't able to fight. So I was quite spewy about that. Were they trying to find a replacement for that? Or yeah, was it a bit
0: of a far too late notice on four days' notice. Even though, yeah,
1: it was just too too difficult. And they try they tried to t- to make it. Reasonable. They try and find someone who's similar sort of skills, and there's not that many that that bad out there. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of twelve year old girls who were a chance. I was trying to convince them, but um, and no one, no one would go for that. No one would. Go no one for would that. go for that. Well, no. they thought that oh, was easy. They thought I could smack they could make me at home. But um, yeah, so that was a disappointment. But I enjoyed the process of challenging myself to get completely outside my comfort zone and have a crack at something. And I've always been like that through my whole life is yeah you've got to have a crack Mm. Um, and you know if you're not if you're not challenging yourself the life's pretty boring I reckon you've got to have some excitement and it gives you a reason to focus gives you a reason to train gives you a reason to to assess where you're at what you're doing is what I'm doing working all that and and I do that on a daily basis for other people for clients and stuff so it's kind of nice to be selfish and do it for myself and and that's probably one of the the biggest things that i have to do when i'm coaching and training people and and working with groups is to convince them that that being a little bit selfish is not evil it's not it's not because what i see when i go to every organization every group every team as people progress through their working life they're I guess, requests from friends, family, workplaces, you name it, it, it never goes backwards. It always increases. Your family, your workplace, your community, wherever you are, they want more and more from you. you, know, you see it, I see it in workplaces all the time. You go into, I'm sure you would, yes. You go into wherever it is, ANZ Bank, wherever it is, this young kid comes in, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and he's all enthusiastic, yeah, yeah, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And then the boss says, here, mate, I want you to do this, this and this. And away they go. And as soon as you do a really good job, they go, well, that was great. Now I want you to do a little bit more, a little bit more. And before you know it, you're taking on more and more responsibility. And that's all good until then you start to have you know, family, cats, dogs, communities, you're coaching the little league team, you're doing this. And then all of a sudden, the amount of commitments that you have become overwhelming. And so suddenly I see them when when they're in a, like a rehab program or something like that where it slowly snuck up on them, those extra five kilos or those extra, you know, whatever it is, because they got home at the end of the day exhausted mm. from doing everybody else's stuff.
0: And don't have time for themselves.
1: Yeah. And and that's fine for a little while. But once it starts to become a habit, then you're in trouble. And what I see is usually it's around when you when you put on about five kilos, that's when things start to change. Cause if I gave you a, a five bag a five kilo bag of potatoes and you had to drag it around with you all day for seven days a week by the end of the month you're taking shortcuts you're driving the car as close as possible to the shops you're not taking the stairs you're taking the lift you're finding little moments little opportunities to do less because you're knackered and then you get home at the end of the day stuffed and you go yeah i should go for a run swim cycle tap dance you know, I should um, knock on the next-door neighbour's door and see how the old lady's going because I haven't seen her for a while and there's a weird smell coming from her place. So whatever it might be, you go, I should and I'm going to, but you know what, can't be stuffed tonight. So I'll collapse on the couch and, and I'll have a beer or Mars bar or whatever the indulgence is that says, you deserve it, buddy. Mm. You worked your clacker off. And then that becomes routine and then that five kilos becomes ten kilos and then you toast you're absolutely toast and then it's not until there's some form of crisis and it might be a physical one you know heart attack do your back do your knee whatever it might be or it might be an ego one where uh, you know you've seen a photo of yourself in in your bathers and you go oh my god who is that fat bastard that's that's not me and then they get that wake-up call they've got their daughter's wedding or whatever that whatever the wake-up call is. Then they go, that's it, back on track. And they have a crack and they'll go two ways. They either go, keep keep the ball rolling after 30 days and then generally go pretty well or they crash and burn because, as we were talking about before, they start with their, the thing they did when they were fit. You know, when I was 20, I was a gymnast or when I was 20, I was a footballer or whatever it was. They go back to that old style of training and their body's not ready for that Mm. can't cope with that anymore so they crash and burn and then then they they start that whole negative cycle again so i guess what i see through my working life are people who who want who are highly motivated they want to start but they either choose the wrong approach for their where they're at with their bodies and then crash and burn or they overestimate their capacity. I'll go, yeah, I can I can do this, I can run a marathon. I go, mate, you're flat out getting out of a chair. I, <coughs> you know, don't do this. So f- find, finding the right approach for where you're at is a key as well. And trying to find something that is fun and sustainable I think is another another big challenge. So yeah, but to to go back a step or two or three, I probably should give you a bit of bit of my sort of background. My my working life these these days is kind of spread in three sort of definite directions. I spend about a third of my life, um, I go out in the oil rigs and I run health and well-being related programs out there for the guys offshore, which is really good fun, and I spend about a third of my working life um, working in, well, rehab programs for people who've had some sort of event, you know, they've been involved in... An accident or they've had a heart attack or a stroke or they've you know they've perhaps have had a crack at suicide and a in a really bad spot and they're trying to rebuild their bodies and then a big chunk of it is spent either testing going around to gyms and workplaces testing to see how people are progressing so what as a result of that i get to see people who are trying to rebuild their bodies with various levels of enthusiasm and expertise, um, and motivation, and I, I get to see every style of eating, and every style of exercise, Mm -hmm. everything that, everything from veganism to high fat, low carb, you name it, um, I see people who do mountains of cardio, and people who don't do any cardio at all, in fact one of my favourites is a, a gym, I think it's called Iron Body in, in, um, well, they were in Bournemouth, but I think they've just shifted. And their motto is, um, uh, in fact, I've got a website, I think it's called fuckcardio.com.au. They despise any sort of cardio. It's but, all weight-based. Yeah, it's all, all lifting heavy shit, and, and that's fine. But what I see is th- that everything works. You can dance. You can do gymnastics. You can do judo. You can do um, lift heavy weights or light weights. You can do so many different things and get... And an incredible result um, and that's that's the amazing thing um, and also that a lot of people that the diet that they choose is completely unsustainable um, but, but most people it doesn't matter what you do to begin with you're going to get a bit of a result but what fascinates me when i test people is not the ones that get results it's the ones that don't get results they're the really really interesting ones because you know, I say I go to like an F45 high-intensity interval training program and high-intensity interval training is kind of the gold standard in many ways. That's going to be a great activity for fat loss. Okay, beautiful. Or I'm going to go lift really heavy shit. That's the gold standard for building great bulk and muscle. Or I'm going to do endurance cycling and that's the gold standard for fat loss and endurance fitness and whatever it might be. You're going to get a big chunk of people that will get that result in it. But what interests me are the ones that are doing it and not getting the result. Now, I I test – go to a lot of gyms where people are doing pretty much everything they're being told to do. In the gym. In the gym. Yeah. Okay. And doing pretty much everything that they're being told to do with their diet as well. And they're not getting the result they want. Now, that fascinated me – has fascinated me for a long time because – in the past, as a gym instructor, our first port of call was to blame the client. We used to it, go… It would be. Yeah. It would be
0: very frustrating for a coach as well, speaking yeah. from experience as yeah. well. Yeah.
1: And, you, and most of us think it's their fault. Um, they're not doing… Because, let's be honest, plenty of clients lie to us. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> they lie constantly. Did you, you know? Did you do, eat as I asked you to eat last week? Yeah, yeah, Of course yeah, I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. Then what are all those chocolate bars in, you, in the back of your car? Oh… Uh, They're my kids. Yeah. Uh, The dog ate it. You know, (laughs) they come up with all these bullshit excuses. And, but there are plenty of them that are doing it. And now I'm saying that there's a genetic component to it as well. Um, And you think about it, it makes total sense. If you go, if you look at the community, there's kind of a bell curve. Mm. At one end of the bell curve, there's the, the big powerhouse Tongan um, shop putter guy. You know, he, walks past the pie shop and puts on five kilos but he can throw a shot put you know country mile he's just built for raw power and puts on weight really easily at the other end of the spectrum there's the you know there's the ballet dancer tall lean you know and she's agile and she's graceful and finds it very difficult to put muscle on very difficult to put weight on you know she she just burns through fuel and she's great for things like pilates and you know, yoga is her combat sport. You know, that's that's her thing. And then there's the, in the middle is that kind of mesomorph. You know, little Italian Greek guy who walks past the gym puts on five kilos of muscle. You know, he's just, he's just built to grow muscle. And he's explosive, makes a brilliant gymnast, um, brilliant in a CrossFit box. They're explosive and they're, they're great. And that's the bell curve of the population. The rest of us are in there somewhere. And yet what we tend to do, is we give them all the same program, we give them all the same. Oops, Daisy. No, oh, we're good. We're good. <laughs> it destroys the Looks table. The phone's okay. Yeah, yeah, good. That's all right. It's a little bit of coffee spillage. But what we do is we're giving them all the, the same. same program. Now when I measure them, I go, okay. Have I've you have I've, you
0: tried this other thing? Yeah,
1: I've stopped being judgmental about programs now. I used to go in there with. Um, you know, about thirty years in the game, so you go, I know everything, and there. But there were too many people that didn't fit fit that, and you go, well, okay, let's try this approach, and measure it and see if it works. Instead of me saying this will work, I'm going to say, well, all right, mate, this is this is the approach that I think is probably most most likely. The right one for you, given the sorts of things that you like, given the sort of body shape you've got, mm. given your history, given your injuries, given the time that you've got available, and blah, blah, blah. And once we've got, got all that in place, we're going to create a program that I think is going to work. But I can't guarantee that. And too often, I see instructors who get a new client in and they say, I'm guaranteeing that this is going get to a, get a result for you. And you can never guarantee in can't. that world where you can't control everything. Yeah. There, there are a lot of variables that we that we just don't have access to. I mean, you've only got to think of simple things like sleep. If that client's under a lot of stress and he's not sleeping, sleeping properly and he gets up the next morning, sleep affects everything you do. In fact, I often say oh, I reckon sleep's the number one. But if you haven't slept well, you wake up the next morning – and your training intensity is nowhere near where it should be for a start. Um, so you can make skill errors, you can just not train hard enough. Um, and then you make poor food choices, your hormones are all over the place and you get
0: sustained get results. Rolls. Yeah.
1: There's a, there was a great study done by um, a group called PH360. They're, they're looking at um, a group of people they call night owls, people who instinctively like to train in the afternoon or evening and they put them into a um, two-year program of doing high-intensity interval training early in the morning and what they found with that group was the majority of them either went backwards got injured or simply didn't improve and then they put them into training in the afternoon or the evening when their their bodies wanted them to train and like me, they were dropping like three four five six kilos in the first few weeks because there's a thing called chronobiology or, or your body's clock and it wants you to train at, different, at a particular time. And when you think about it, when I, I talk to clients all the time, I go, well, in your heart of hearts, in your guts, when do you reckon the best time is for you to train? So when do you reckon the best time is for you to train?
0: For me at night. I've tried. I've tried both. And I suppose the question is more so how many people are aware of their bodies at that level? If we're talking athletes specifically, we're more, well, the word's up, we're more in tune with our body. We understand our, mm-hmm. our body more. And office worker, nine to five, generally will because they're sitting down all day. I've tried training in the mornings. On the bike, in the gym, I just, I'm not awake. I can't lift the heavy. Uh, and then as I've gotten old, I'm not that old, uh, but the body couldn't, uh, couldn't train in the mornings at all. Then I start training at late afternoons, evenings –
1: isn't that interesting? It's so much that, better. That you you knew straight away. Yes. In your heart of hearts, you knew straight away when the best time for you to train is. It wasn't also
0: training, it was the competitions as well. That's a big factor. Mm. Uh, if we look at a Saturday morning Total Rush ride, mm. most of the way down from Richmond to Mordialic, I'm, I'm struggling pretty pretty badly. Then once I'm awake, I'm a lot better off. But if I go back to competition days, the track and field competition days, the the warmer weather, at nights was the best the best time for results.
1: Well, I think if you look right across the board, most world records and um, best results are in the afternoon, early evening, because um, our bodies aren't designed to go like cut snakes first thing in the morning. Although some people are, and you and you will have seen people like that in gyms. Like you go to a CrossFit gym, and there are people doing backflips and doing crazy shit, and they they're just. They're ever-ready bunnies. They just I, I can't go. understand those people.
0: But they've yeah. also got that flip side of they've got a job to get to by nine. Yeah. And they also understand that the gym after three, four o'clock in the afternoon, whichever gym you choose, wherever you go yeah, around yeah. the world, that three onwards is crazy. Yeah. As, as a trainer, you would have seen that. Totally. You want to use a machine? Totally. Non-machine? Yeah, yeah. Cardio? You want to use a bit of floor space? You can't. Yeah. Just, it's too busy. So then how do, you find that? how do you find that balance as well for those
1: clients – well, it's you hit the nail on the head when you when you said that in being in tune with your body, I reckon is absolutely key. You've got to listen to your body. Your body's telling you shit all the time, but too often we're overriding it. We're saying no, 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 no. I know better. You know. The, Everyone else trains first thing in the morning. That's the best best time to train. And you read literature that says you burn more fat first thing in the Metabolism morning. Metabolism kicks in. All blah, blah, blah. raises blah. your metabolic rate. and, and A lot, blah, blah, a blah, lot blah. of bullshit that goes out. It's all marketing yeah. ploy. Yes. And and that might well be that you burn a whisker more fat training first thing in the morning. But if you then feel like shit for the rest of the day, and then you're going to go and eat. And eat more eat, at night. Yeah, yes. Eat poor, make poor choices, then is it really of value? And the answer to that is probably not. So my my thing, I guess, is I'm constantly saying, don't guess, measure. If you whatever you want to do, if you want to juggle heavy balls, do gymnastics, do whatever you want to do. Fair I lot. don't care, do it. But let's measure you at the start, middle, and the end, and see if if what you think is happening is happening. And also, I often say to people, get measured after four weeks. Give you give you. Body time to adapt to this new regime, and then let's see if it's working. And what I see in in the real world and testing is that three things happen. Some people go away and they'll put on a truckload of muscle and a little bit of fat, and they'll have a cow over that. They'll go, "Oh no, this is terrible!" You know, put on but a bit of the mind, a
0: bit of fat, but you put on the muscle yeah. that you were after.
1: And I go, "Mate, but you've put on all this extra muscle, and, and muscle's king. The more muscle you've got, the more fat you burn, the higher metabolic rate." Um, it is gold for your particular sport, which is whatever it might be. And others will go away and they'll lose a mountain of weight. big chunk of that will be fat and another chunk of that will be muscle and they won't care. They go, doesn't matter because my overall weight is down. And I'm going, mate, this isn't good because losing muscle means your metabolic rate slows down, means you kind of really need to eat a bit less and yet you're exercising heaps, you're starving hungry, this is going to end badly, you're going to end up putting more fat on and they go, la, 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 not listening, not listening, don't care.
0: I've lost the weight, I've achieved my goal. tick. I've lost weight.
1: And and that's not ideal. But what we want is ideally to see muscle mass increase, body fat decrease and who gives a rat's toss what you weigh. And that's why I say to people, come back and get measured in about four weeks so that we can see which of those three categories your body is falling into. And then we can go, okay, I'm going to tweak my training in this way or I'm going to tweak my, my eating in this way. I'm going to adjust as a result of the of the facts, the data, because the, the data doesn't lie. Your, your actual muscle mass, when we see that increase, increases your bone density. And you know, this stuff doesn't lie. It tells you that what you're doing is giving you a favourable result or it's not giving you a favourable result. And if it's not giving you the result you want, why are we doing this? Well, because I always train this way. Uh, well, you're an maybe idiot. Maybe that's not the answer. <laughs> yeah, it's not not working. So that's the, the fascinating part of, of measuring is it's changed my, I guess, I'm not as judgmental when I see people come, come in I, and they say to me, I'm, I'm doing plenty of things right. I now look at them and think, well, maybe you are. Maybe you are, but maybe the approach that you're using mm-hmm. is not the one that you should be using. So let's let's look at, changing the approach whereas in the past like most instructors we go uh oh, yeah this client's full of shit he's lying to me he's eating chocolate and he's not doing this and he's not doing that and sometimes it's it's it can be a bit of that like because i am happy, have but i don't know too many perfect people my wife me. my wife is perfect and i don't know anyone who's going to tell her she's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> She's not listening to this. issue <laughs> We'll find out. We'll she, send, a, send a direct message. She who must be obeyed. <laughs> but most of us, we muck it up from time to time. And no, you give in no matter what. Uh, no matter what you're doing, you do. And you have a really hard day. You're grinding through whatever training you're doing. Totally, all the time. Well, you look at life. When you look at when when people are in their most emotional time. They resort to food and drink. You, you win tat's lottery, you grab ten of your best mates and you're off to the nearest restaurant eating, drinking, celebrating. Your best mate dies and, and you go to the, 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 the funeral and, and we all eat and drink and commiserate because it's it's a kind of a soothing you know, process to help us get through this really painful, this high emotion period. And so it, it's normal for people to do that. When you fell over as a little kid and mum patted you on the head and stuffed a biscuit in your gob to shut you up, it was was a very early early on in life we learnt food is soothing and so we've we fall back to that pretty regularly it's a default position so and and in some cultures it's a big event you know you go to uh, an italian family on a sunday they've got as much pasta that you can you can't jump over or a tongan family that's having a big big sort of eat fest it's it's really a common thing so we get we get told very early in life that food is there to help you get through the challenge is that we also get told by instagram that you've got to look you've got to have a six-pack that you can grate cheese on at any given moment so there's a lot of pressure on us especially especially, i reckon with women and i see that all the time oh i had a young gorgeous girl coming to get tested probably a year or so ago and and um she walked in the door and my colleague and i we just looked at each other when she walked in went, wow. Like, she just looked ripped and awesome. But she also had probably the saddest look I've, I've ever seen. She walked in like she'd just, you know, lost her best friend. I said, um, what's going on? She said, oh, I've just busted my ass for ten weeks and nothing's changed. I went, w- what do you mean, what do you, nothing's changed? Nothing's changed.
0: What are you trying to achieve? Yeah,
1: and when I measured her, she had dropped and she would have been probably a five-foot-two girl, so not a big lady at all, but she dropped three-and-a-half kilos of fat. That's like a loaf of bread plus two tubs of butter. And on a small-framed woman, that's a truckload. Mm. And she would put on three-and-a-half kilos of muscle. Now, you Uh, and I both know how hard that is to do. Incredibly hard.
0: But she's also looking at the total figure at the the day of zero. (laughs) Yeah, she's gone,
1: my my scale weight's exactly the same. I go, okay. And when we measured her and I showed her the numbers and said, okay, look, you, you've put on all this amazing amount of muscle, you've dropped this amazing amount of body fat. And she said, well, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, I do feel fit. I do feel and I better. I can see
0: the, f- the visible differences. Yeah. I, I, I said, can see the tone. Yeah. I don't really like that word tone, but that's that's what it is. Yeah.
1: And, and I said to well, her, surely you, you got really positive feedback from friends and family. She said, yeah, yeah, plenty of people said stuff, but I thought they'd just been nice to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay they like people can't be nice yeah they can be nice okay well what about your clothes she said oh i just thought they'd stretched and i go okay oh. so there's something going on in your head as well and and there is one of my favorite mm. cartoons on the planet is um this and i show it to a lot of my clients of a man and a woman look at themselves in the mirror <laughs> and um oh, thought, yes. you would have yes, seen yes, this yes, have, yeah. gorgeous girl looking in the mirror and, go, and all she sees is this fatty boomba monster and then there's the bloke who's a fatty boomba boom monster. Sees so a six-pack man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. That's, that's mate, what it is. Mate, I see it every day of the week. and It's because we're all, all of us are delusional. I find it fascinating when I measure the guy's height because I, I get their, I've got a machine that measures their height before I put them on the, on the in-body. And um, every bloke I measure is six foot three. Until they get measured, they go, oh, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> go, really? Okay And every woman I measure Pretty much knows their height To the millimetre And they, they're really quite accurate But blokes all lie um, Having said that I reckon I'm six foot two No one, no one would disagree Yeah, exactly this, There's so no film here, is there? <laughs> no, there's no film <laughs> There's no tape measure Hobbits, no. No. Hobbits are us That's it yeah. <laughs> I'm the tallest <laughs> hobbit, you know and uh, But it's just because We, we just had this We're all a bit delusional we all have this vision of ourselves that that is affected by you know our childhood, our careers, our families, their feedback, you, you name it. Um, and we don't often have an accurate look at ourselves. And again, that's why I love my my job is because I give people an unemotional, accurate vision of where they're at as opposed to where they think they are. And so once they've done that, the next step is to be able to say, well, okay, with, our, with all the bullshit put aside, this is where you're at where would you like to be what what are you thinking of for the future and what's um your plan for that And so uh, the process i use is is to say well okay what's your goal where do you want to be what's what's the magic wish and and if you achieve that how would that make you feel and what's the outcome of that and they go well if i lost five kilos i'd I'd fit in my clothes better, I'd have more energy, I'd be more enthusiastic with my kids, I'd you know, i be able to play my sport better, whatever the outcome is. I go, that's great. And and what that does is pretty much just create another wish list. Everyone has wish lists and that's great. And it often stops there because they haven't really considered what the obstacles to that are. I go, well, okay, that's what you'd like to be and that's how nice it would be. What's stopping you? What are the obstacles to that? The obstacle is, you know, I work three jobs, I've got a broken leg. And you've you got your know, kids. You've got kids. My cat died. Okay, well, it's fine. They're, they're all legitimate obstacles. But now what's the plan? How, how do we get past those obstacles? How do we get you to where you want to be? So what you mentioned before
0: about being selfish and achieving your goals, yeah. how how do you tell someone, especially if they've got their own trainer, not the ones that work at the offices that come to see you directly mm, through mm. a corporate invitation, yeah, yeah. how do you tell – the trainer's clients mm. to yeah. be more selfish when they're probably getting a different perspective from the trainer. How does that relationship go?
1: Yeah, it is a that is a delicate one because I don't want to step on other professionals' toes. Um, Do you talk to the trainers and work a relationship together? Would that be the best way S- to go? Some trainers are more open to that and they'll, they want honest feedback. They'll go how'd you go how'd you go how'd go? I go well mate this is what this is what these numbers are telling me he's got this percentage of body fat and this level of muscle and there's a, a real weakness here in the in the legs so i'm looking at that and that's telling me he could benefit from a bit more you know squats and whatever so they'll be open to that and i go oh mate that's really helpful that's great because i can design a program to to Just alleviate soon. that problem and away we go great but others are really sort of uh, stressed by that, they, don't you tell me, I, I know it all. My client, yeah. my program. Do you yeah, yeah. find that
0: sort of train is also that, that I don't use the word, the generalist, but this is how everyone trains. This is how we're yes. going to achieve our goals, yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. Yes. Might be the words to be used on that one. Yeah. But
1: I don't train people differently within my group. Yeah, that's, I find really sad because we're all different. So why are we giving a generic program across? And we sort of don't do that. When we're – because we've got all these tests available to us to find out where people are at. We don't do that generically, but then we give them a generic program. And I think there's an there's an element of ego in that and, and an element of laziness, really, as an instructor. A
0: lot of ego. A yeah. lot of ego in that industry. Yeah, yeah, there is. Because I'm, I'm the best.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of get that in a way because for you to be able to run your business, you, you've got to – You've got to be pretty confident that you've got all the answers and that's one of the beautiful things about getting older <laughs> is you go i don't have to have all the answers i can find out for you i don't have to know everything you don't have to be that guru that mega ego we can find we can look at things and say well okay this is simply not working let's explore further and find out what what the answers are and for a lot of trainers especially young ones and and I get that because they can be a bit vulnerable. A lot of young young trainers come in, they do a six-week course and then get thrown in the deep end. to the wolves. Yeah, yep. and you've got people that have got all sorts of very challenging um, issues going on and you can mess them up pretty badly if you get it wrong. So I understand that vulnerability and the pressure. And a, a lot of gyms, they're all fighting over, over clients. Like you get a lot of these big commercial gyms and – You've got, you know, six new personal trainers walking in there and they've gone, Well, unless I get five five clients, I'm not eating this week. So there's a lot of pressure on, on them.
0: Oh, there's heaps. So you have that minimal minimal base that you have to pay back as a trainer yeah, yourself. Ab- absolutely. I pay three hundred dollars before I can I can get a dollar myself from clients.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's it's a tough gig. And you're up at dawn training and you know and then time clients don't turn <laughs> up or they don't pay or Whatever the case may be, well, they get injured and they blame you. you know, so it's a, t- it's a tough gig. So, and they want instant results as well. And so there are a lot I, – I totally get that. So It's a tough gig being a trainer, which is why they tend to not last that long. I think The average trainer now does. If they make two years, they're doing well. Yeah. So – Are you finding –
0: because you visit a lot of gyms, mm. a lot of trainers. Yeah, about 500 so around the country. How many tests would you do, say, a week or a month or a year?
1: Um, I get through about well before COVID. I was getting around twenty five thousand a year. Would so, you so would you lot. would you say for those twenty five thousand tests
0: visiting the five hundred gyms, is there a certain culture within a gym that's more more related to successful? Oh, what a great results?
1: question! Results totally, totally, oh, absolutely. Um, you would
0: be able to tell pretty quickly walking into a gym environment. You go, this place is going to have shit results. I much, don't know what to uh, do because uh, I can't uh, tell the can't yes. tell the owners because they won't listen to me. And, <laughs> well, the, and the clients are going to question. go, how dare you tell me about that, about my my gym of choice? But then that could also be a switch to go, you know what, I think you're right. Because mm. I come to this place all the time and I'm, I'm not feeling that that community feel. Mm.
1: That is a brilliant question because that is, the key to success is being able to sustain whatever the hell you're doing, whatever approach you're going to do. And the thing that sustains people at that gym is community um, when you walk into a gym when i walk into a gym i can feel immediately the vibe of the place and go oh this is a great place this is a cracking place um, and all of the good gyms and organizations that i go to um, you feel at the moment you walk in there that the owner of the joint the staff at the place have got a big smile on their face and they know everything about you and they genuinely care about you they know all your kids' names, they know your dog's name, they know everything about you and they're genuinely, genuinely interested. And one of the things I love about Australians is that we've got this incredible bullshit barometer, you know, <laughs> bullshit radar, don't you reckon?
0: <laughs> Pretty accurate, yes, you, you absolutely. Walk in
1: and you instantly know. Like when you go into a, I don't know, you go into Myers or somewhere like that and the shop assistant comes up to, to talk to you and you know they don't give a rat's ass about you. <laughs> can can i help you as they're chewing and looking up the ceiling and don't give a stuff um or when they come up to you and you go hi if there's anything you need let me know i'll I'll be over there i won't annoy you and you go oh this kid gets it she she really understands and gyms are like that Uh, australians will know the moment they walk into the gym whether the owners really care and they there's a cracking gym in um in richmond called xo fitness guy there called jimmy taylor on bridge road amazing guy i um t- tested people there got in, they got incredible results but jimmy could look at those results and go yeah but she's also lost weight off her face and she's her hips are different and this is that there." And, and i'd say to him how do you know that mate and he goes i just know because he cares and, and he's really engrossed in, in each one of those people there. He, he just knows everything about them. Um, there's a, a guy in, um, that runs uh, uh, original boot camp and they've got centres all around Melbourne. And he can, t- he can tell whether someone's down or not just by the way they walk in. And I've seen him do it. He'll go over and he'll, he'll just give someone that little bit of attention, that little bit of a nudge, and you go okay and afterwards he'll come up and have a chat and he go uh, he did it the other day there was a bloke who was seriously depressed going through a very difficult time in his life and by the end of the session he was laughing and carrying on and, and I go how did you do that he goes I don't know I could just I could just tell from the moment he walked in his body language everything about him he wasn't quite right and to create a community you have to care you have to observe you have to be committed to that that community and too often I see a lot of commercial gyms. The only thing you hmm. get when you join that gym is the key to the front do door. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of those gyms, they make money on you not turning up anyway. So small. was a sm- no,
0: unfortunately, that's what I, I saw totally. when I was uh, a PT at Fitness First at uh, Nana Wadding. There was a young boy, sixteen or so, was a was a very keen cyclist who wasn't far off being on the development path for VIS. He's come okay. in. Yeah. One, I need to a have a gym. So that's, that's an easy tick the box. We're around the corner from you. So this is easily the best place to go. I've got the salesperson with me talking to this kid and I'm in the back of my head going, this is not the place for you. But I can't say that in front of the salesperson because oh. I'm going to get a crack over the head. Yeah. Okay, we've got all the weight equipment here that you will need. But as for what you need, you need the extra wind trainers, you need the recovery, you need everything else, the physios mm. to go with mm. your whole package. You need to go to the VOS or you need to find a high-performance place. We've got the weights here for you. You still need to find everything else. And you still feel by saying that, mm. giving the right advice, which is the honest and correct advice, you're still going to get a slap over the sales manager. You go, why, mm. why did you do that? That's an extra what, $100 a month we've just lost. You go, but from the perspective for me, I could train him and I could honestly say I could not get the best out of him because we don't have the resources here. Mm. He needs this
1: specialist advice. Uh, I find that really sad. I just freaking, if you do the right thing by people, you're going to get it back further down the track somewhere else. If you're able to say, "Look, mate, this is not the place for you. This uh, this this place over here is," they're going to tell ten of their friends, and you'll get it back somewhere somewhere down the track. Um, I just find it frustrating that so many places, so so many gyms, are giving these cookie cutter approaches. This generic. It's a generic program. Program
0: legs, chest, back.
1: Call, yeah. go. And okay, that's going to work with some people. But it's not going to work with plenty more. And you're right. He had specific needs and we're not catering for those needs. We shouldn't be selfish and saying, I want your money. We should be saying, either I'm going to get these extra resources or I'm going to send you somewhere that, that needs it. So that's that's the big challenge for the industry. And the industry's changing, I think, for the better because of COVID. COVID's given the industry a massive wake-up call they've suddenly gone we, we've got to uh, I hate using this word pivot but we've got a ch- we've got to find a better way to connect to people and so suddenly they've been doing zoom programs and that's that's been enlightening because a lot of people go you know what i feel what? that they need yeah. the gym but they don't yeah. really yeah i can't get to the gym i haven't got the time or whatever so a zoom workout is going to be really good for me but it's also been enlightening for the client to go, mate. You never train as hard on your own as you do with with a, that group. You're you're always going to train harder at the gym with all your <laughs> mates busting the fuffer valve, all swearing, swearing and sweating, and you know, who you are at the yeah. end. Um, you just get dragged along. Again, the outdoor boot campers they they are really a really interesting group because a lot of their training is is about the intensity of the workout but also getting you to encourage everyone else around you and it's really interesting uh, i was reading this awesome um book about the u.s navy seals and they they have a hell week training program that they go to to get into the seals right? so basically they torture you for 24 hours a day for seven days you get minimal sleep minimal food and away you go and all and They're incredibly fit athletes that get into it, but they're not necessarily the ones that get through. The mentally tough ones do. And the mentally tough ones all talk about, once I stopped thinking about just myself, and I started thinking about the bloke next to me and and everyone else in the group, my team, it became easier. So it wasn't just me suffering, it was about all of us in this together getting through it. And I found that incredibly powerful. It's a bit like you talk about mm. when we go for a ride down, down to um, Morty Alec. If I'm going on my own... I it's can, a shit ride. It's a shit ride not I Especially can Especially into pull the pull wind. Back. Yeah. But when I'm with all of you guys, I get dragged along by the enthusiasm of the group and your big fat bum in front of me that I'm trying to catch up to. <laughs> 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 I'll try and go, wait for me, wait for me. And you get dragged along and you go much harder than you, you, you normally would because of, of the group. So... OBC does that really, really well. They, they will get people to encourage each other and you get recognised for helping somebody else. They get little awards and things like that. Or, and That's and pretty I, cool. I love that approach. That's really cool. Encouraging creates community, creates commitment, creates relationships. I've got a client who trains at, um, I'm not going to mention Kew Recreation Centre because be that would be wrong. It would But if it was there, he's got an office across the road from there and he goes off and trains there because it's very convenient but he said I've been going there for two years no one knows my name nobody speaks to me I go in do my thing walk out and I find that so sad and I know he doesn't train as hard there as he does when he trains with me in my garage with shit equipment
0: you've got no one there yeah at all supporting you which is kind of the key for anyone who wants to be an athlete yeah of any of any level that's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Then you go into another gym that says, "Hi, John. How are you going today?"
1: And you and you bristle, your, your chest is, is out, and away you go. You just want to get involved, and, and and that's something that that I think the gym industry kind of knows, but it's got lazy with. And I think COVID has reignited that enthusiasm to go, "Oh wow, I've got to know my people better. I've got to engage with my people better," and. Uh, and they've got they've got a lot of challenges. Like the media, the other day, they rattled they came out with this stat that said a third. We did a did a survey. And a third of people are not going back to their gyms.
0: Where did you pull that crap from?
1: Yeah, and it depends on how you phrase it too. I immediately thought, well, that means two thirds are going. Great. <laughs> and you only got got to go to your local park during this COVID uh, nightmare, and you suddenly see it packed with people, people buying bikes. They're, Squillions of people buy and bike bikes to get out, out there, so people are recognizing the value of exercise. So gyms are going to do fine. They, they're going to, because people want to get back to communities. They want to get back to their mates. They want to get back to engaging with with people. So if gyms decide that the client is really important again, which they have, they're going to get get the feedback. They'll be involved and they'll they'll hang on to people.
0: Do you think more the the training studios, the PTs are going to be Better in the future than the big chain gyms? Totally. In that I sense? Reckon,
1: I reckon they're there now. I really do. Um, people, people, um, they have massive turnovers in the big chain gyms. And there's, there's a reason for that.
0: That they do, yes.
1: I used to do um, a lot of testing in them and I hated it. <laughs> I hated testing the big gyms because... The same people wouldn't
0: have been there for the, for the recount four weeks' time. Yeah, that's that's massive, what I found as a trainer.
1: Massive drop-off, but also the results were pretty average. They were, they were really average. Um, the Big drop-off, average results, whereas when you're in that sort of niche gym where everyone knows each other and everyone's busting their forefoot together and getting dragged along together, the results are stunning, absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Um there's a, a gym up in Emer- Emerald um, run by this amazing lady, Julie Hoffman. I cannot tell you the results I get. They are stunning results in terms of the amount of fat that they lose and the muscle that they gain. That's all good. But to be honest, you can do that anywhere. What's amazing about it is the numbers. About 99% of people that start finish. And you just don't see that anywhere. Wow. It is stunning. Because she's created this incredible, caring, amazing community, um, and you know, you know, it's not rocket science stuff. It's just being a genuine person. You know, if you don't train, she's on, on your, you know, on the phone on Facebook, going, "What's the problem? Where were you last night?" Oh, I can't train because I've, you know, Johnny's sick. Bring Johnny. We'll put him up. I'll hold him on my lap. You know, she f- finds a way to get past that obstacle. And as I was saying before, that, that whole thing is, what's your goal? That's easy. It's just That's just a glass of red and a Friday night you can come up with 200 goals to then say, what's the outcome of that going to be? I'm going to be fabulous in great shape and that'll be great. But the real challenge is, is the obstacles and the planning. People are really good at wish lists, really good at I want, but they're not great at, at coming up with plans to get past those obstacles. People are really good at starting but not really good at following through. And we're all, all of us are guilty of that from time to time, but, but we need help to do that. And that's what our, our industry is about. It's about helping people. I give them the numbers and prove that what they're, they're doing, the trainer gives them the, the routine that gets them there, um, the eating plan. And, and I think now more than ever we need to be less judgmental and go, okay, if this isn't working, let's find a way that works for you, which is fascinating. And not, not just for grown-ups, for kids as well. Oh, imperative, absolutely. I, my wife's a teacher and recently they put a big emphasis into uh, healthy eating because of um, COVID and everything else and they had a day where they encouraged the kids to bring only healthy food to school and for all these good reasons, blah blah la, la, la. So no junk, no rubbish. And there were, they caught parents arriving, handing McDonald's over the fence to their little Johnny because he couldn't go one day without some sort of treat-reward type food. What the hell is that all about? <laughs> you can't get through one day without giving your kids rubbish? There was a, an article in today's paper talking about backlash from parents who were saying, we don't want teachers telling, out, telling us what to put in our lunches. Well, I'm sorry, should I apologise for trying to make your kid healthy? Should I apologise to the little kid who's who's allergic to... He's got nut allergy or something, and your t- your kid's turning up with peanut butter? Should I apologise to the parents of that kid that we killed um, because they were sharing their lunchbox? No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at
0: all. I've heard a few of those stories about the Maccas over, yeah. over the fence. I've heard a lot of that, and I can't believe it.
1: I still can't believe it. it. It's just maybe we're in the wrong field, but it just seems... Beyond dumb to me and selfish and, and pathetic. I think a bit of that is, is a lot of parents, they just simply can't say no to their kids anymore. Oh, there's a lot of that. Talking participation medals, which I, I <gasps> want to
0: say that's slowly going out. I want to say that because I'm, s- I'm hearing a lot of it. But dab
1: myself in the eye with a
0: plastic fork. I, I don't get it. I don't get this whole you can't have a win-loss because that's going to put the kid down. But then in 12 years' time when they finish school ha- and they get knocked back from a job, the business doesn't give a shit that he's not got a job. They've got the better applicant. Yeah. So we're, we're building them up to to fail and to...
1: How do we create resilience if we don't fail? And I don't know. Most think,
0: times you have a loss, you yeah. improve. You've got something to work on. You have totally. some negatives to go. Richmond, for example, right now, playing like absolute crap.
1: And it's beautiful to see. No, it's not. Let's not say that. As a current supporter, I can say that. <coughs> I've been suffering for a very long yeah. time. <laughs>
0: Before <laughs> 2017, we were suffering for a long time. Yeah, that's true, that is true. But there's
1: always opportunities. Same, same with
0: I'll any totally. other sport or yeah. anything that you do outside sport as well. You see the opportunities to develop.
1: And that's mm-hmm. what we're not yeah. seeing in, in anything. Yeah, and we, you know we're talking, we want a resilient culture, but we're not creating that when we do things like that. And I know schools are trying really hard to develop that res- resilient nature, and as but parents, we've got, com- parents. Yeah, we've got to come to the party. We've got to come to the party too and go, okay. What's our role in this? Well, our role is to occasionally say no, say no to kids, and you don't don't have to be their best friend every day of the week as a parent. Someone's saying you're better off not being the best friend. Yeah,
0: because you need need to have that uh, that authority.
1: Totally. But that's not that doesn't seem to be the culture. Too many of us are going. Oh, it's too too hard. Having said that, for a lot of parents who just, <laughs> as you've done, uh, experienced the whole uh, learning teaching from home, it's bloody hard work. It's incredibly hard. It is incredibly hard. So okay. we Thank thank God they're
0: back at school. Bless their cotton socks. Oh, there was, there was, there's a great uh, Instagram page. I think it's called Batuda. The tutor? The Haven't tutor? That, no? oh, got to check it out. It's really, really funny how the mate put me onto it. I think it was coming up to midway through the term. So you have mid mid term results and surveys, <laughs> and parents always going off at of teachers for doing a bad job. You know where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So midway through a term, the parents are still going off at of teachers for for doing a bad job, even though yeah. the parents at home are the ones doing doing yep. the teaching. So who they're actually criticizing, I don't know. But the homeschooling mm. has been incredibly hard, and maybe it's an opportunity for the parents to see that. But then there's the other side where the um, parents also turn a blind eye that their kids aren't aren't all
1: that and they're little pains in the arse. Yeah.
0: And they don't want to correct
1: that. Maybe that's what we found during this, that um, my kid's not as wonderful <laughs> as I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's a bit more difficult than I thought he was. Yeah. yeah maybe he's a bit more evil than I thought he was. So yeah, it has been a <laughs> massive learning curve. But uh, the number of people – because I go to a lot of homes and do um, families and stuff and, and um, the number of parents that have just said, mate, too hard. <laughs> I've just given up on homeschooling because, you know, I'm working as well and I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that and trying to do homeschooling is bloody hard work and I'm really relieved that they're going back to school and, yeah. I think a
0: lot of us were in that boat. Totally. I really oh, think. Totally.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So getting back to cultures in gyms and mm. the studios, mm. yeah.
0: do you ever walk into a, into some of those negative gyms, talk to the clients that aren't getting results, and then talk to them how they feel about coming into the gym without subtly also subtly telling them, is this the right place for you? Going, Maybe it's not there's plenty of other opportunities out there, you've just got to go find it. Have you spoken to the trainer about the other options out there? Not out in the in the world, but other options in what I'm doing to achieve my goals.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's really – it's a very delicate one. It is a very delicate one. So what I tend to do is not so much give advice. Um, what I tend to do is question and question them and go, so tell me about what your goals are again and, and what approach you're using and what, what are your results looking like and where, where do you think your weaknesses lie and, and what part of the program do you think might be helping or not helping in that area and what are your choices out there? And they work it out pretty quickly. I a thought.
0: And I would have thought the real positive gyms would be on your side in, in that uh, transparent communication back to them. Yeah, as you were and, saying before. And
1: because I've been doing this for you know well, for many years now, what I tend to do now is is only work at good gyms. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> it's, I know it's, 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 it's much easier, much better. Well, it's from on my my side of it, it's it's I'm selfish because I just don't need the angst. And you go in there, and it's really frustrating. Really nice people busting their foofer. And not getting a result, it's just awful. So when I tend to work in really nice gyms with nice people, good programs, getting great results, it's just fun. It's just it's just so joyful to walk in there. Like I'll get a a, a gym and they'll go, oh, can you come and test um, on Friday, mate? I can't get there fast enough because I know it's going to be really it's going to be really a good day, good day for result, you and they're going to be really happy. The client's going to be really happy. And what other job in the world? Does the client do all the work and I get all the credit? (laughs) And that's pretty damn good. And they're jumping up and down. We're all hugging and going, and we're going, "How good's this?" And we go, "Yes, you're magnificent." We're all all excited. That's really fun. But when you do, you know, a line of people lining up and they're just going backwards, and you go, "Okay, you've just busted your ass for ten weeks and you're worse." That's not a whole lot of fun. And you know, people feel awful and and they're looking for someone to blame and. Jim's wanting to blame the client, the clients wanting to blame the gym and, and I want to get out there as fast as possible. So I tended to you know, just get away from those those gyms and now I've got my, uh, the, the gyms that I know that are good and, and they're going to get a good result and if there's not, we'll find out what the story is and we'll sort it for them. Um, and it's, it's a fun place to go to and it's not stressful. Um, what's interesting is corporates and workplaces, they're different because you tend to, you don't always... Go in there as p- as part of a program. Sometimes I'll just do a testing regime for whatever reason, and you go in there and you go, "Okay, you're you're good, bad, you're, you're not so flash," and you don't get to have an impact on that. Um, although more co- more companies now go, "Okay, can you do a program from that in a way it sort of develops from there?" But corporates definitely different um, because they're looking for not so much. Well, they're looking for pr- productivity improvements. So they're not, they don't care what you weigh, they want to know how much energy you've got to put into, into your role. Um, and what some of the, these programs now do is that it, it actually shows the sort of personality traits that you've got and that helps find out what the best role is for you. Like A lot of the programs now, the PH360 is an interesting one too because it, it gives you character traits that go with that style of person. You know, we talked about the, the ectomorph and the endomorph and, mm. and, the, and the mesomorph. A lot of those mesomorph got, types have got tons of energy, masses of energy, because their their body was really designed to, to cope well with adrenaline. And what that means is they're really good for energy. They're really good at starting stuff. They're either fully on or they're fully off. Like they go really hard and they start things really well, but they don't necessarily finish it. And they'll take on 300 different projects and only finish three of them. So they're really good to start programs, but they're not really great for fo- following through. Then you've got the, the sort of, we call them diplomats, the, the dudes that are kind of procrastinators, really. They, they want to sit back and they want to look at all the different possibilities, all the different options, and, and get the plan absolutely right. Because fundamentally, they don't want to make mistakes. And they're great in CEO type roles to be able to look at big picture, get the plan in place, and then unleash the, the little activator to go and sell the thing. Or there's there's the what I call the, the, the what we call the crusader types. They're the they're the ones that like the triathlete that has the list of all the things. All, they're always on a mission. They've got a list of things that they have to do, and ticking off that list floods their brain with dopamine, make dopamine, and makes them really happy. And they go, yep, beauty. I can't stop. I haven't ticked off all my boxes. I can't leave work until I've ticked off all the boxes. I've got to get, <laughs> got to get everything done. And we all know people like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and what we, what they, they sort of people do is we, we often put them in the wrong, wrong role. But once you, you, you start to look at these people and go, okay, he's this type of person. Not only for his fitness, he, he's better off doing working in a CrossFit box than a yoga studio. He's better off in sales, than he is doing, you know, big picture programs. So these. In corporate, it's not just about their fitness, it's about their performance. And so it's a slightly different feel for mm. feel for it. But
0: it's fascinating, actually. It
1: is, it is really interesting.
0: H- how many uh, corporations, companies look at that side now?
1: More and more now. Um, I'm doing Vic Roads now. They're, they're spreading it throughout their whole organisation. It's fascinating to, to watch how that goes. And it changes the way they interact with each other too. Once they start to know, oh, Oh, but yeah, of course, you're, you're that kind of person. No wonder you're frustrated with me. Um, now I'm going to change my approach to you. Um, we were talking earlier about um, the early bird and the and the, the night owl, night owl t- trainers. Um, if you put that night owl trainer in the morning, he's just not suited for that. But you put him in the, in, the, in the afternoon or evening, it's perfect for him. So if you put a, a, a activator-type energy everybody bunny into sales, he's going to be brilliant at that. You put him into uh, a job where it's, it's rote learning, repeating the same task over and over, he's just going to be jumping off the Westgate Bridge. So it's it's about their total well-being, their total life, the total you, not just how fit you want to be. And it, it takes time, it takes a bit of energy, but it gives a great result in the long run. Yeah, yeah but so corporates are certainly looking more and Changing more at that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm. That's
0: actually fascinating. Might have to uh, look into that one a bit further later.
1: Yeah, well, we'll do another session on that one day. So you call everyone athlete.
0: Mm. You always tag it with "Hey, athlete, how you doing?" Yeah. Li- is there a, is there a reason behind yeah, it? Because everyone's reckon, an athlete.
1: Because I reckon everyone is, and most people go, "Oh, an athlete, you've got to, you've got to be, you know, same Bolt, ripped weapon." But an athlete is everybody who's trying to improve, and I don't know anybody who's not trying to improve. I don't know anybody who says, I don't want to be in a better place. We're all busting our foofa valves every day of our lives to be better. And if you're not, something's not quite right with you, mate. And most of us want to be in a better place. We want our kids to be in a better place. We want our families, our communities, our workplace to be in a better place. Our job in this field is to help them get there, to give them the tools, to give them the chance to, to get to that better place. And sometimes that just means giving them an opportunity to, I reckon, stop, <laughs> and that's what COVID's done. It's given us a chance to stop and go, reevaluate. What, what does this better place actually look like? The number of people that I that, that I've tested and gone, you know what? This has been the best thing ever because I was killing myself. I was one of those. I was, and it sneaks up on you. You, you take on, you just keep taking on, taking on, taking on more and more, more challenges roles and before you know it the things that brought joy to your life are slipping through the cracks and and so we're we're using stimulants like coffee beer chocolate whatever it is to fill that gap and that hurts you so this is this is giving us an opportunity to stop take stock and go what, what's the best me actually look like what's the best performer look like and and how do i contribute to my family and, and my community and my workplace and and my world how do i make that a better place so that's that's how i see our job and yes everyone's an athlete everyone
0: is has anyone come back at you and said i'm not an athlete stop calling constantly me constantly. Why? why would you do that i don't Const- understand and then six weeks later they go i get it now
1: yeah was it all constantly i get that a lot i go i'm not an ath- athlete i'm fat or i'm ugly or i'm taller i'm shorter i'm this or i'm slap that. it out of them yeah i go yeah you are mate don't you worry about that you are a, you are a demigod and they laugh, and I go, <laughs> "Of course you are. An athlete is someone who's trying to get better every day. An athlete wakes up; they're trying to get better. And if you're coming to see me, you're wanting to be better. You know, you might not be overt about it, but the reason you're getting checked is because you're hoping like hell that what you're doing is working, or you're about to start and you're hoping like hell that you're going to see improvement because you're nervous that you're going to be." busted your fuffer valve for six weeks and see no change. And that's why they come to see me because you can do a lot of good positive work and be changing your body for the better and not necessarily be able to see it for a variety of reasons because um, might be the tool that you're using, the bathroom scales, isn't reflecting what's happening. Because if you're putting on muscle and getting s- stronger, thicker, heavier bones, that's making you heavier on the scales, and you could be losing body fat at the same time, you'd be exactly the same weight, but a different body. A bit like the young girl I was talking about earlier that dropped three and a half kilos. So if, sh- if you're just using bathroom scales as a measure, you're going to be dis- dis- disheartened. Mm. Um, so our challenge is to say, well, let's, let's use markers that genuinely show that we're improving. And it might be that you're sleeping longer, better quality sleep. It might be your energy levels. It might be your patience with your kids. It might be, yes, you're putting on muscle. It might be yes, you're losing body fat. It might be you're less reactive at work with a with a colleague. It might be that you understand where they're coming from because you now know the sort of person that they, they are. So we're all athletes, we're all improving, whether that's as a parent, you know, or whether as a footballer, we're all all going in that direction, hopefully. I'm sure we are. <laughs> I'm sure
0: we are. Well most of us at the moment are. There's a lot yes. more than we need to catch up on yes. to that one. Yes. Now, I asked that before because I know in Australia we go with uh, with nicknames and little names if we forget people's names or we yes. call them chief champ. Yeah, yep. yep. The athlete definitely is the one to choose in future. I might have to start changing that one. <laughs> it's yours. You get found out, got the bullshit barometer. The bullshit barometer's absolutely. If you get someone's name, hi chief or hi Mr. Yep, mate, whatever mate. Whatever it is, mate. Yep. yep. Athlete's much better. Much better. <laughs> Keynote speaking. Yes. Was that before your, your PT days? Was that all throughout? Yeah, How did yeah. that come in? I, and, I, um, it fits in perfectly.
1: One, one of my first, I guess, jobs was I was working um, at a program at Deakin University called the Gut Buster Program. And um, it was a fundamentally weight loss program for men. And and uh, I would go and do small groups and stuff like that. And, and um, invariably there was a, a someone in a, a corporate group in that group said, can you come and talk to my troops and um i'd go oh you know i don't know whether i really (laughs) want to do that (laughs) kind of shy and uh, and my family laughs at that and they go yeah yeah, just just come along and and it sort of it kind of grew from that i would just start doing doing more and more and and then you know 30 years later here i am it just happens at regular intervals and then i work with key groups at men's health groups and things like that and so it would develop into into companies, and they, you know, Harry'd be at this company, and he'd leave and go to another company, and say, "Can you come and do it?" And then Men's Health Week became prominent, you know, ten years ago, and, and I, my workload goes insane during Men's Health Week, and so I go, it would just slowly develop from that, and again, it's because people really, really want to be in a better place, and they want someone that who's kind of been with people who've been in a bad place and got better. And that's where I've been. I've been with lots of groups that have been in very difficult circumstances. People have had that heart attack or had that stroke or or had that crack at suicide and have rebuilt themselves. And kind of, for me, it was where I first got my direction of work. As a probably 17, 18-year-old kid, I started work in a gym primarily because I wanted to chase hot girls. That was my number one... Incentive, They didn't want to chase me But I wanted to chase them <laughs> I was working in this gym And it was fantastic I Loved it Way too much lycra Way too many leg warmers And uh, it was fun Really enjoyed it Until one day um, I was working at reception Late at night And someone came running up And said oh, There's a guy on the squash court Who's had a heart attack And uh, the receptionist and myself Ran out there and, and we did CPR on this fellow And sadly passed away embo's arrived and and off it went and i was devastated i was absolutely gutted and a few moments later that man's son came in and and was hysterical and it had a big impact on me and as a kid then i thought this is where i need to be working because i never want to see this shit happen again and so, yeah, it sort of directed me. I didn't know where I wanted to be in my working life, but it started from that, that moment I went, this is where I'm going to go. And so I started studying phys ed and nutrition, exercise, and that was the direction that I went and been in for the rest of my life, really. Um, but that was the, the wake-up moment for me as a, as a young bloke.
0: So it definitely, definitely suits your, your character, that field.
1: Well, I guess it does. I've, I've never wanted to do anything else. Um, because it's – you see people really happy. You you see them really happy when they get to where they want to be and you go, how good's this? And I joked about before, they do all the work and I take all the credit and if they stuff it up, it's not my fault, you didn't do (laughs) as I told you to do. (laughs) So it's a a win-win. So it's just the best job in the world.
0: Extremely challenging, that, that particular world. I, I got okay into a little years. bit of uh, rehabilitation training when I was PT, mm. the Strengthening Edition, so there's a yeah. wide range to work from, but you're also talking yeah, prior to yeah. the real rehabilitation or mental rehabilitation, yeah. so yeah. to speak.
1: Well, it's in, in every aspect we're, we're rehabilitating. Well, I worked for probably eight years, nine years, uh, working in special schools with disabled kids, and it's exactly the same approach. We've got a bunch of limitations here. You know, You're in a wheelchair or you've got this problem, this problem, this problem. How do we get you to a better space that's the obstacle what's the goal what's the plan where do we go to and you know what we all do it i work with um guys in in um finance in the finance world that's exactly what they do i go all right mate you're broke uh you want to be a millionaire uh what's the plan these this is how you do a budget these are the obstacles ra ra! it's not rocket science it's just about stopping long enough to do it <laughs> and we do it all the time for other people, don't we? You do it for your kids every day of the week. You go, okay, mate, you, you want to make the, the basketball team, you know what you do? You go, drop five kilos and you got to you know, get off the couch, <laughs> leave the Nintendo and, you know. It's not rocket science, but it's, it's stuff that we do for others and often neglect ourselves and put ourselves... I see it all the time with women. Women, at, at the risk of being sexist, women are really good looking after everybody else's goals wants needs and requirements
0: before themselves and
1: pushing themselves further back and you watch it when you see a a young mum she's full Mm. of prolactin lovely you know, nurturing hormone that says i'm going to give you everything i'm going to and expect nothing back i'm going to be up all night cleaning your bum and wiping your nose and feeding you and i'm going to expect absolutely nothing from from you but you're going to get bucket loads of love and so they're they're Busting their foofa for that little baby and the family and they put themselves last and last and last. At the end of the day, they're knackered sitting on the couch going, "I
0: have got no energy for themselves. You know, no, I see it, I see it yeah, all the time.
1: Yeah. That
0: uh, that was the, it was the conversations I've had with my wife ever since we've had our first kid. And I said, you can't be putting them first because if you don't put yourself first, you can't do the things you're talking about. For them, you can't look after them at all. Yeah. and I can't do it on my own. I need you around. You've Total. also got your goals from pre-baby you want to get back to athletics you want to get to sport you want to you want to get back to the gym you need to be starting to do that because that's also going to set an example for the kids to go out and do it themselves because they're going to parrot exactly what we're saying but also follow and copy exactly what we're doing
1: that first five years they are watching everything we do good and bad so and good and bad yeah yeah i love that commercial where you know that the uh, father's got the kid in the back and he's driving and he's swearing and he's road raging yes. yes and the little kid's in the back and he's mimicking it that is so beautiful so true you know if they see us growing up and go dad's exercising so that's what a dad does You know, it's like brushing your teeth mm. that's what dads do then they go well okay well, i'm going to do that too if dad just sits on the couch drinking beer and eating chips well, that's what grown-up men do.
0: That's what that beer ad was as well. Yeah, the kid getting the beer out of the fridge for the yeah. dad, and that's just in turn to the next generation after that. Yeah, if
1: men are horrible to women, that's the way I'm going to be growing up. And we don't accept that shit anymore. We should never have accepted it, but but we, we simply just don't allow that to happen. So we've got to we've got to show show kids that part of being an adult is that you brush your teeth, you get out there and exercise, you mow the lawn, you do all these responsible things and you treat people with respect, men, women, black, white, green, purple, whatever it is, you treat everyone with respect and it's not that hard, mate. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be a genius to be able to behave well and to look after yourself.
0: It's not but flicking that selfish switch which we're talking about. Yeah. Do you find that the most challenging part when you're talking to
1: young, young parents, women in particular? Yeah, it is hard. It is hard because they want and the pressure on women is phenomenal, I reckon. I, I did a talk once in a in a primary school. I've never forgotten this. Does my <laughs> head in now. And uh, we were chat I was talking about nutrition and exercise and blah 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 and, and away we go and, and this after the talk, this gorgeous little kid, grade three, I think she was, she comes up to me and goes, Mr. Verby, that was really great. Um but uh, my boyfriend says I'm fat. What sort of diet should I go on?
0: Tell your boyfriend to go get fucked for starters. You Pretty probably much can't say that.
1: What I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> but after I picked myself up off the floor, I went, Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. A grade three girl is under that much pressure.
0: A grade three girl has a boyfriend. Well, yeah, <laughs> Let's go back to that one. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. I'm having him killed yes. wherever he is. We're, we're having him kidnapped and sent sent away. But th- the thing is, from she accepted that she accepted somebody else's decision on her body and judgment, and yeah. instantly started looking for a diet. And I just all, all I could see was this is a disaster. It's horrendous. But it shows because most boys couldn't give a rat's what their body shape was. And but from a very early age, girls are getting that message you've got to be this shape, that shape, or whatever it is. So the pressure on women is phenomenal. Then you go to Instagram, and you know, girls just had a baby, and she's 14 seconds later um, grating cheese on her abs and doing backflips, yep. which is just crap, absolute rubbish. So the pressure on them is phenomenal. So, yeah, I get a lot of that. I get a lot of women who are dissatisfied with their bodies and desperately hard to go hard. And it's interesting, even knowledge wise. Um, women that I see tend to know more than blokes do, and I see it in families. I go, you know, um, a woman will come in and say, "Okay, we we're going to, I want to change my body shape, so I'm going to change my eating plan. I'm going, whatever I'm going." And the rest of the family goes, "Yeah, that's that's great, good on you. We're we're supporting you, but we're not changing. <laughs> we're still eating whatever we're eating." But when the bloke comes in and says, "This is what we're doing," I'm I'm changing my body shape, we're eating nothing but mung beans. The whole family changes, they're all in mung beans. So I, I look at that and I go, why is that? How is that happening? And it's it's weird. It is absolutely weird, but it's really common. It's really common. Women's knowledge is better and they're trying to make, uh, make the whole family healthy and the bloke's ignoring it all until he gets a fright and goes, "Oh, that's it, we're all going paleo. <laughs> okay. And
0: going the other extreme. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, until I get to where, where he wants to be and then they all fall apart. And, it's, and again, I see too much of that extremism. We're going to go go hard until we get that result. You know, nobody ever says, this is the way I'm going to eat for the next 100 years. This is the way I'm going to train for the next 100 years. I go, I'm doing an eight-week challenge.
0: You know, Goes back to that results immediately.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't have a problem with the eight-week challenge if you want to see... What, what does the best version of me look like? You know, I, I respect that. I think that's awesome. It's kind of cool to see what you're like, what the best version of you could look like. But I think you should also be looking at what's the sustainable version of this? You know, I, I don't want to never have an ice cream again.
0: I, 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 ice creams are great. And <laughs> yeah. McFlurry's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Can we get some sponsorship.
1: Where's, where's McFlurry <laughs> yeah. when we need them?
0: Oh, that was my wife's calling card when she was pregnant the first time was McFlurries <laughs> every night. It's like, okay, if that's the worst you're going to have, knock
1: cucumbers with whatever, I'm, yeah, I'm all for that. Absolutely. So, th- th- I just want to go, go – you know, often when I'm working with people one-on-one, I'll start from the Friday night splurge. What's the non-negotiable splurge for you? At my joint, it's a couple of beers and Orgelo's Pizza – which incidentally it's costing me a fortune every Friday night. They make the best pizzas in Baldwin. And a couple of beers, feet up, watch watch the footy or the first half before I fall asleep. And that's a non negotiable. So the rest of the time, what else is non negotiable in terms of my exercise and my eating patterns and and so forth? And people are more interested in what you what you can take away than they are about what you could put in. And I want to go the other way. Oh yeah, let's let's look at what we can put into your life that's going to bring you joy. That pizza and a couple of beers on Friday night is going to make you happy. Beauty. Let's keep that and work back look from on the rest.
0: That. You can tell them to look to the uh, the Rock's Instagram page for his cheap meals on a Sunday. Get them oh. to start looking at those. Have you seen those? I've seen a few. Incredible.
1: I, uh, pancakes. I don't know. Fifteen sky high. How good is that? And but the problem is he's one hundred and twenty kilos of muscle, so he can eat that and and break wind and it's disappeared. If you've got that level of muscle...
0: <laughs> well, we're not suggesting them going to have 14 pancakes as a cheap meal. There's there's
1: variations to it and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and limitations, but... Totally, I'm hearing it, but I, I agree with you. If you've, got, if you've got that splurge to look forward to, it kind of enables you to say no, doesn't it? I can say no during the week because I know Friday night I'm going to have I that splurge. Go. And it's not that I can't have it, it's just that I'm not having it now. And if I choose to have it now, then that's okay too, but I can't have it on Friday night. So that's kind of what I'm trying to get across to people is is you're allowed to have that indulgence, but every indulgence comes with a price. And too many people are not prepared to pay the price. They're not prepared to you know, do the hard yards. They'll start, but they're not prepared to keep going. You know, I always say to people, motivation's great, gets you started, but it's habit that keeps you going. And people are happy to start but not create that habit.
0: Yeah. You're finding though the, the the right cultures, the right community helps with that consistency totally. continuation of yeah, totally. of holding all that. Totally. So yeah. I suppose if we're if we're finding someone who's struggling with that uh, with their goals, not
1: achieving, if oh. we're looking at those extra aspects. No, if you're spot on, um, you just like we said earlier, I guess you you never train as hard on your own. Uh, as you do with with a good group, and you never eat as well as you do when everyone else is. You know, you're generally a bit, you're generally an average of the five people we hang around with the most, aren't you? So if you hang around with with you know people that eat shit, guess what you're gonna. eat? If you hang around with people that eat clean, you're gonna get it right. So, yeah, the community that you you choose to be a part of is really important. You know, if they're drinking beers every night of the week, it's pretty much what you're gonna be doing because it becomes. Habit. I, I was testing this bike um, in a mine once <laughs> and he said, I have about eighteen beers a night. He's a massive big unit. And I just my jaw wow. dropped and I went, Oh my God, are you serious? He goes, Yeah. I
0: haven't had I haven't had eighteen beers in my
1: life. I, I'd be I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> and i looked at him and gone and then he's sitting there and he goes, Did you wanna know what I have when I go back to my room? No. He has more when he goes back to his room because he works he worked at a place called Moomba. It was the middle of South Australia, a mine sort of thing, and they had a bar there. And so you could go, when you get back from work, you go straight into the bar and you can drink, and the bar was there 24 hours a day because they had night shift. And Anyway, and he could consume mountains of grog and then take a six-pack and walk back to his his room and knock that over as well. So the guy was always drunk. He just, he just could consume, and it was like, I remember him, him saying to me, "So I'm talking about alcohol-free days." And he goes, "Well, how many beers constitutes an alcohol-free day?" (laughs) Okay, (laughs) (laughs) you're missing the point here. (laughs) Absolutely, it's just because, and he never, he didn't start drinking 18 beers a, a day. It snuck up on him. It became a habit. He'd been in that environment for years and years and. Two becomes four, becomes six, becomes ten, becomes whatever. And he was able to drink mountains of alcohol because it snuck up on him. And for all of us, it's getting out of that, that habit. That's why Dry July's and things like that are gold, because they test people. Now, I'm not and much of a drinker, but I tried a Dry July once, nearly killed me. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of beers on Friday night, and if I'm at a barbecue or whatever, I'll have a few, and that's and I enjoy that, and I'm usually asleep after two anyway. But I thought, oh, well, I don't drink much, so how hard strides are I going to be? But because I said I can't have a drink at all, all I thought about was, was drinking. Every time I drove past the pub, I'm going, oh, jeez, I'd love Could a beer. Right now. How good would that be? And then. At the end of July, I had a couple of beers on that Friday night, fell asleep and then didn't care about it anymore. I don't think I had a drink for the rest of that month because I was allowed to. We're, we're creatures of habit, creatures of stupidity, but it always comes back to that self-assessment, saying what sort of a dude am I? what's my approach, what works best for me. And just because it's working best for my, my best mate or just because that diet's working for me, my best mate does not mean it's appropriate for me. I did a a program for, um, who was it, it another gym in Richmond. They were training people for um, climbing Mount Everest. So they're pretty serious because your life depends on this. And they put them on a paleo-style diet. There was about 60 of them, I reckon, 60 people. And and 57 of them just blossomed. Fat fell off them, muscle grew. But three or four of them pretty much went backwards. And one lady really... struck me because she was a doctor and she documented every morsel that went in her mouth and the way she went and and she was going backwards and when we changed her to a high higher carbohydrate eating plan she blossomed so it's about getting the approach that works for you um, and and that's not as easy as it sounds there's there's a bit of because your body's constantly changing you know if I, if I think about self I'm no longer breastfeeding <laughs> um, that approach seems to have fallen <laughs> off, um, off the radar for me, so I need a different approach as my as I age. And if you look at your dinner table, often families whoever's doing the cooking comes in and says, "Here's the one, you know, the one generic meal, meal for everyone," and we're all eating the same. But but we're all at different stages. Grandma's got different needs to little Johnny who's only six months old, and um, and Mary's who's doing seven you know fight fit classes a week. Or or f forty five class a week. She needs different food from Nathan, who's who's um, you know riding a bike, hundred k's a day. So we're all all in different situations, and we get. But we we try and give them all the same exercise. We try and give them all the same food, and that's dumb, mm. and and not clearly not working, clearly not working.
0: So what's your structure of training at the week at the moment? So in a, in a perfect world, uh, um, post COVID.
1: Well, yeah, I. I really enjoy doing uh, resistance training, and I think I'm 62 years old, and I think it's critical as you get older that you do resistance training. If you go to a nursing home, the people who have the best bone density and the best muscle mass live the longest. So, for me, resistance training is like brushing your teeth. You should do that. So I endeavour to do that three to four times a week, either. A hit training session or lift some heavy shit, but I love bike riding. So I get out there. It's great for my headspace, and I'm really bad at it, but I don't care because I love it. And I, you know, I get to ride with friends and chase after them and have coffee at the end and talk shit. So I love that emotional physical combination of bike riding. And I think bikes take you back to being a kid.
0: I was thinking about that the other day. You know, That's exactly just, why we do it.
1: It's just a just a. Escape. It's escape, it's glorious to get on your bike and wear inappropriate clothing. It's not inappropriate. I think it was the way I wear it, it mammal? is. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: no, no. There's one ride a year that you want to avoid, <laughs> and Christmas that's the total. <laughs> yes, the, <Christmas> <laughs> the total. I can't even spit out the total rush Christmas <laughs> yes, ride. Yes. Yeah, we've yeah. all dressed up once or twice. Some uh, go to the next level. That's the only ride of the year where it isn't inappropriate. Yeah, exactly, the rest of the time, exactly. the Lycra's is okay.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I love my bike riding, but I love uh, I love trying different stuff. I love. Uh, boxing last year I, I had a crack at a, a boxing challenge and every year i try to set myself a challenge to do something different A few years back i did my first ever iron man and, and i i love i think you should get outside your comfort zone once a year and do something and to try and you might discover something about you that you never knew you had a, a colleague of mine um, she's just magnificent. She runs a, a gym in Port Melbourne called uh, Twelve Rounds and um, Tiff. Danny Green. Uh, Danny Green's yep. franchise, yeah. Tiff works. Uh, she owns one of those and she she trains there. And she she um this somebody she did a, a program that sort of looked at her skill base and it said we think you've got some artistic um, skills. And she went, "What are you talking about? I'm a boxer. Or I'm an athlete. I'm a Gymnast, I'm, I'm everything, but I've got an artistic bone in my body. And she fobbed it off, and, but went home that night and thought, I'm just going to do a bit of sketching. And seven weeks from that night, she's now getting paid doing portraits of people. You want to see her her <coughs> stunning pictures, black and white chalk, you name it. She is stunning. She never knew she had that skill. So who knows what we're capable of. So why not get outside your comfort zone once a year and, and learn something about yourself you might discover you can sing you might discover you're, you can ride bikes you might discover and what's the worst thing that can happen you make a dick of yourself and or you
0: really enjoy it and you continue you it really on the flip side
1: it. yeah or you've shown that you've got the courage to to try something new so f- for me I, i'm always looking to try different sort of training methods because i really enjoy that sort of, that physicality part of that and for me really some testing for me i discovered that my body wants to train twice a day. I I used to um, I used to sneak out for that second workout during the day and I'd get my sweaty, disgusting clothes <laughs> <laughs> and I'd wash them with, and my wife didn't know that I'd done it. She'd go, Did you do a second workout? What are you doing that for? And I'd hang my head and go, I don't know. Shouldn't you be you should
0: be patting me on the back, not, <laughs> not I don't the back know of the head. why I
1: did it. I just wanted to do it. And it was And now I know that that's me. And some people need to do that. Some people need to train at night. Some people need to train in the mornings. Some people, um, the training isn't even enjoyable for them. They just need to tick the box of it. It's not the the actual activity itself. Some, it's it's yoga. It's about the mental, spiritual Mm -hmm. aspect of it. And we don't know any of this if we don't have a crack. And if you're doing the same shit every day, you might be missing some gold somewhere, and I don't want to. I don't want to miss the gold. No. I was too short for that. Absolutely. So, who sets your weight programs, your resistance training programs? Is that
0: you, or do you run by if you of your coaches?
1: Look, I tend to do it myself, unless I've got a bit of a, you know, if I want to hit a particular target or a particular goal, I'll go to people that I respect and go, "What do you reckon about this? I wouldn't mind trying to put on three kilos of muscle or trying to lose, you know, this or that. What, what do you reckon?" And we'll throw around some ideas together and, and come up with a, a plan from that. Um, so, yeah, I, and the beautiful thing about going to a zillion gyms is that I, I see some stunning professionals, stunning professionals. Um, and you you can always steal an idea. I, I reckon I go to too many gyms where I don't pick something up, where you go... Oh wow! I haven't seen that before. And if you're not learning, something's something's wrong because there's always someone coming through with a with an absolute cracker of an idea, and you go, "How did I not know that? How did I not see that before?" And you go, "Beauty, let's go." And there are so many good ones around. So if you're not if you're not catching,
0: you're getting left behind from an athlete perspective.
1: I agree. You know, I re- athletes athletes know that in their soul. You know. Um, really good business people know that in their soul. They just, just know, and it's, and it's never enough for athletes. It's never quite enough, you know. That's good, um, and you see it when they whinge and moan about um, when they hit a plateau. Your clients come to me and bitch and moan that they've hit a plateau, and I go, mate, that's fantastic. I go, what are you talking about? I've not improved in three weeks. I go, oh, we- yeah, but have a look where you were. And now what you've discovered is that even – you've discovered that this, new is baseline. The best, this is the new best you. So now we're going to have to create a whole new plan to get to the next peak. This is, And you can leverage off that peak. And plateaus are usually a lot higher than the valley, aren't they? So you've improved to get to that plateau. You now know what you're capable of. This is a great. This is a great opportunity. Instead of it, they come in their suki la la face, going, oh, "I haven't improved in three weeks." You're confusing me with someone who cares. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm interested in where to from here, not about where you're at right now. Let's look. Let's look at what the plan is for the future. And for me, I'm really fortunate that that you know I'm not as competitive now. At sixty odd, I just want to be healthy and, and good nick. And unless I want to do a challenge, then I want to get myself in really good nick to to hit that challenge and then I just want to be healthy and enjoy life. Um, and there's guns everywhere I look and go, Okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna do a few classes with them for a while, pick pick their brains, do a bit of that and away you go.
0: So looking at that three three day a week structure, just going yeah. back to that, you've got the high intensity yeah. training and then you've got your strength yeah. Yeah, max so efforts, you going max efforts or
1: you going three three met, three rep max? Mostly I'll do, you know, five sets of as heavy as i can manage if i'm if i'm going for the heavy approach i'll do five sets uh, as heavy as i can manage um but these days at the minute i'm doing mostly hit training so a circuit style training um with a little bit of boxing in that because i've I've just really enjoyed the the boxing side of it but what i have discovered of late is yoga yoga Mm. is the bomb yoga is often i say to my clients the thing that you're worst at is probably the thing that you need the most and i've got the flexibility of a rock the body of a brick so <laughs> i can lift heavy shit i can I do can't, it can't, and i, can't I can touch go my knees. i can go hard in the morning and i can do it again in, in the yeah. evening but flexibility of a rock and then i've discovered yoga and it is the bomb it is so good for your body. I had a shoulder joint problem for probably six or seven years, but I just worked around it. Going, I'm always going to have that thing. It's going to be annoying. Spent a fortune on physio, never really got it completely fixed and went, you know what, it's just old age. Suck it up and live with it. Then I started doing these yoga classes. In three sessions, it fixed my shoulder and I went, Wow. What the hell?
0: I should have started this earlier.
1: When did this happen? <laughs> what is going on? So it's all part of that constant learning, and it and it's just it it completely hit a nerve for me. I went, this is really good for your soul as as much as it is for your body, and um, yeah, I had tried it many times over the over the journey, and because I was really bad at it. And because I got sucked into the whole competitive component of it, like I'd go into a class and go, that that dude over there, she can put her head on her knees, I should be able to do that. And because I couldn't, I'd get really pissed off. Or I'd go to do a class with my wife and my daughter. My daughter's a professional dancer. <laughs> <laughs> so you imagine what she can do. And my, wa- my wife's just evil. so She can do whatever she wants with her body. And I'd, I'd be sitting there going, okay, loser failure, disaster. And it took me forever to realise it's not about competing with them. It's not about that. It's about you doing the best you can do. And when you start getting that mindset, you start to go, okay, I just feel better. I just feel good. And my range of movement is better and I feel feel better. And I, and, and it would rear its head... When I least expect it to, you know, it might be in a ride, or it might be in a run, or it might be in a whatever. I go, wow, I'm just moving better. How weird is that? And it's, you know, it's completely down to yoga. So yoga is, is the bomb. It's re- really. I'd recommend, especially to males, especially to, um, well, anyone really. It, it's it's good for you as as good for your brain and your mind as it is for your body. And then the bike,
0: loving the bike. I've, I haven't been on the bike too much of late. Uh, it's I, I don't see too many photos. Oh, you could be on the bike. If it's not on Strava, have you heard it the latest one? Happen. If it's not yeah, on Strava, it did didn't happen. happen yeah. But the new one with Strava is if, you, if it's not on Strava, you probably haven't paid for it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Strava probably have just changed it. their settings. <laughs> but are you riding a fair bit still? Look,
1: I not as not as much. Look, I, I would get on my bike probably two to three times a week. Um, not as much because I'm doing doing other other stuff. I've, I've discovered the yoga and I'm just, you know, I'm training in other ways. But I, and because my mate that I ride with is not riding at the same time so I've sort of gotten, got a bit lazy with that going on my own. But I still love it just as much. It is, it is something that takes you back to being a kid, frees you up, it's great for your fitness. Um, it's just the best thing ever. and, I've got a really good bike, uh, which I got from you know from the just you know, total rush changed my life. I remember when I got my good bike, I went in there and, and um, you know I'd bought shit bikes before, and and um, they taught me into getting a really good bike. And once I got on, it, you went, oh my god, how long has this been going on? It just makes it so so enjoyable, and then you can't wait to get on it. So, yeah, not as much riding, but still riding. Not sure I'm getting any better either, just quietly.
0: I think it was about uh, consistency, about the yes. rides, wasn't it? You yes. touched on that earlier, oh, consistent we did touch with the training. Consistency. It's, yes. it's hard with riding because I'm not sure if you're the same. We do a really long ride, say 100Ks. Mm. Us athletes here, we, we yep. do it about yep. three, three and a half hours. Yep. Could be faster, but we're not that good. That's, <laughs> exactly. that's me in particular. Yeah. But you're then you get, you get home and then you're sleeping for the next three hours recovering from that bike ride.
1: But it's a beautiful sleep it is a it is there's nothing like that snooze on the couch after you've had a really good workout and allowing your body to recover and a really big workout like that you don't have any choice it forces you to lie down and recover and have a really deep good quality recuperative quality sleep because too often people aren't getting themselves physically exhausted enough to get that deep quality sleep what they're doing is they're falling a bit, uh, into a poor quality sleep and waking up every hour or two hours, worrying about all the problems of their working life and their family life, their financial life, their community, whatever it is. And then they wake up the next morning stuffed because they haven't had a deep quality sleep. And I defy anybody who goes for a big quality workout like that, and does a, a big ride, not to have a deep recuperative sleep and wake up the next next morning feeling revitalized. Y- you've got that yeah, you've got that muscle soreness that DOMS and that's great. But you're you're brighter, you're emotionally better, you your world's better. So I, I love that that big workout, that big ride. It just it just changes your physiology. It's it's the bomb. What's the challenge for this year? Is it
0: getting back onto the boxing, getting in a boxing fight, or is it well, you slightly changing now COVID's hit?
1: No, I sort of want—I still want to do it because um, I, I was all set to do it at the end of last year, and my opponent got injured, and I still haven't ticked that box. If you like, I want to do an actual full-on fight where you get in the ring and there's no one but you and your opponent.
0: And why do you want to get in a fist fight with someone who's going to punch your face in? Well, if we, we've got to the most violent end,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I've spoken to cage fighters about the, this.
1: <laughs> the objective, well, hopefully, um, I'll avoid that and maybe punch him in the face first. But um, it's it's that, that getting outside your comfort zone. Um, when you've gotten that ring, there's you know what it's like when, when you're doing a jujitsu and you're in that there with an opponent, there is no one but you two. Yeah, that's it. And you're left to your own resources. You've got to find something within you. To get to where you want to be and that's what getting enough in, f- in the ring is all about for me I-, I want to draw something out of it. i want to see what i'm capable of and and yeah i might be too old for this in many people's eyes but i just don't want to stop i'm not stopping till the end i'm, I'm going to keep challenging myself and uh i reckon what's the worst thing you can do is i can get dropped on my bum and Wake up with a bit of a headache and then, that's right, I've had a crack.
0: You have? No yeah. regrets after yeah, that? Yeah. You can choose the next challenge after that. Go oh, for a second fight, maybe. Having said that, I'll turn go under the cage. Yeah, funny story. Mrs Verby loved that guy. <laughs> 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 no, she's not big on that.
1: She's not that keen on my challenges. But I got into my first um, um, uh, fight, well, not fight, but um, sparring session with a, um, a young bloke and I went, oh my God. You can I'm, can I'm you just go easy I, on me? Well, I, I could tell that he sort of was. He's got, jumped in, and he's just this godlike figure, much like yourself. And I'm this old fart jumps in with a grey beard, and I've gone, oh, jeez, this isn't good, and I'm shitting myself. And, and away we go. And he had this bit of a gap up, and I went whack, and got through his guard and just hit him a pearler. And then
0: you've got okay, I'm um, let's stop.
1: Well, my initial res- response surprised me, <laughs> the judge, my coaches. I just apologised and said, oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and my coach is gone. I'm fucking apologise. Hit him again. <laughs> and <laughs> the beautiful boy that he was, he was. I could tell he was probably just being kind to the old bloke. And but that woke him up, and he then continued to pulverise me for the next ten minutes. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but we both survived. It was. But it's fun. It's just. It's it's so much more cerebral than you think it is. It definitely is. You have to. You're really thinking all the time. You're just concentrating, and your adrenaline goes through the roof. It's a buzz.
0: That's what I found. I think we had this chat late last year when I found out about your boxing, and uh, we, I so spoke about my jiu-jitsu that I just started. Yes. a year, yeah, a year yeah, before that. Yeah. The beautiful thing about the jujitsu is we can go as hard as we like. We're not going to get punched in the face, elbowed, kicked. So there's no physical damage. There's no real impact.
1: Yeah, but you, so you it think great your brain for is it's just in
0: is constant massive overdrive. It is, which is great except for when you're a white belt and you're still thinking of the move as you're doing the move <laughs> before you're doing the move. Or just, uh, yes. right before COVID, I've gone, I'm doing a, a knee cut, which is passing through someone's garden, they're on their back. I got to the to the have gone, hang on, I remember being here in a drill. What do I do next? Uh, and going, he's already swept me after that point. I'm on my back. What do I do from here? There's some things that work really well, mm-hmm. but it's a mind game. It's really, really challenging. It's really hard. You've got that community spirit in the gym. Yeah, I've Spoke uh, about before, but it's so hard, so difficult.
1: That was one of the, but things, a lot of fun things I loved about the Fight Fit Challenge was you got, you know, you got fifty people, all from the community, men, women, old, young, well, mostly young and me, and uh they, and we're in this together, and we're all busting our gut to get in it because you've got to get in a really good nick to get in the ring to go flat out for three three minute rounds. You've got to get yourself pretty fit. And so everyone's helping each other, supporting each other. It's just a great place to be. It's very different, isn't it? Oh, gee, very different environment that marsh lives. Yeah, yeah. It is because there's that mutual respect for each other. And you go, I know how hard you're working and I respect that. And, you know, hats off to you, mate. That's that's a great effort. And man, woman, or child, it's awesome. Is there, the,
0: is there shit talk in the, in the sparring or is it? on because no jiu-jitsu we can get we can do the shit talking in between or even celebrate a good move
1: not as much because you every now and then there'll be a cheeky comment or something like that but but not as much um because i guess because we're we're all beginners as well so well no there's a few that have done done it before but so you're sort of not as much not as much because you can be uh on your bum pretty quick and uh uh, it can look really bad if you just make a <laughs> cheeky comment. All of a sudden you're on your bum going, whoopsie. I got dropped by this young girl. She hit me with this magnificent hit. And do you reckon I copped some shit over that? You would have, absolutely. Oh, absolutely copped, copped that. So, But it was a. I still remember it to this day. It was one of the best right hooks. I remember seeing it coming and, <laughs> <laughs> and my brain was working in slow motion saying, you need to get your face out of the way here, John. Um, okay. Too late. <laughs>
0: too late. Too late. Oh, it is You're it ready? is it is a wonderful sport. Yeah. All the martial arts. Oh, it's totally. all about skills. So you've got someone who's highly skilled, they will they'll will knock you out, they'll choke you out. Mm. Much faster than you think. There's yeah. nothing you could do about it. No, which is the worst thing in the world. It happens so quickly. The smaller athletes can beat the bigger ones. Oh,
1: totally. Totally.
0: And then somebody start freaking out going, I'm not safe.
1: And you know, I, I look at that now and I look at um some of the people that come into the gym and, and you know, in street clothes, they look pretty ordinary. And w- when they get the gear off and you, then you see the skill level I've got and you go, oh, mate, if you were in a pub and somebody saw you, they would go pretty nondescript, you know? I, could, I could take him. I, I could knock him out. take him, yeah. He would tap dance on your head before you, you could even think about it. So, you know, I look at people that go to pubs and want to start fights and stuff and go, mate, you have no idea who's but out there you are just whew, crazy you don't know how many guns are out there well you might not know that either how many amazing athletes are out there that will just smash you to pieces So yeah but it's 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 all about getting the mix right with with martial arts it's about getting your mind right it's about getting your body right it's about really working hard there is there's no half measures with that it's you you I was, was saying
0: before about 50-50 on the homeschooling. It's it's more yeah. more for that for the martial arts. If you are not all in and you are going for in. a fight, you are going to get found out very quickly. Really quick. There is nowhere dangerous, to, nowhere
1: to hide. So you've got to get your get your head right before you get anything else right. And again, it's that same old model of stop, take stock. Where am I at? Where where do I want to be? What's the plan? How do I get there? Who do I need to support me? And you know how much how fair am I? to reach that goal. Especially doing a boxing fight. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) There's two fights at my place. There's the one in the ring and then there's the telling my wife that this is what I'm going to do. She goes, oh, please tell me you're not.
0: I recall a Facebook uh, post that went up. (laughs) I'm pretty sure at the time Mrs. Verby didn't know about this post <laughs> no. or the fight. Sometimes. And I asked well, the question, does Mrs. <laughs> Verby know? And I got a reply from Mrs. Verby going, no, and she doesn't. She doesn't like it at all.
1: Uh, that, well, I learnt a long time ago, it's easier to beg for forgiveness than for permission. So I, that's my theory. I can't say it's been that successful over the journey, but it is my theory. It does work, though. It does work. <laughs> a Question, did you watch the
0: Lance Armstrong 30 for 30 documentary at all? I was Sorry. on recently on uh, ESPN.
1: Um, I haven't. And Something you're interested of, in watching or is it um, the drugs
0: in sport you want to keep a, keep adrift from?
1: It, for me, it was more because I'm, I'm still seriously angry at him. He was one of my absolute heroes. I just adored him, had all his books, had the yellow wristband. I admired him. Um, when people would say... You know he's on drugs or blah blah blah. Defend I, I'd defend him to the death. Um, and so I was devastated. A- and I was, you know, I'm I think in many ways naive about, about my sporting heroes. I want them to be that beautiful person that that you know that we see up in on the billboard. And and I was so devastated. So, and every time I saw him interviewed, I was devastated. And I read a couple of books from. People that had uh, dealt with him and uh, saw the real calibre of that person. So, you know, when I l- look at the that, there's nothing for me in that documentary that's going to change my n- new view of him as being a villain. H- he is as toxic and as shallow and as horrible as, as you can be and I'm still cross at him for, for that. Um, and his his argument is that everyone else is horrible. Well, that... Doesn't cut it for me. You know. <laughs> the so, whole
0: peloton was on it.
1: Well, maybe which they were. Which makes it very hard.
0: He was just yeah. the best at taking, getting away with it.
1: Yeah, maybe they were, but that doesn't make it right. And I don't want to. I don't want to hear anything that he's got to say. I don't want to hear his justifications, and it taints everything that he he says for me. So, uh, and and it's a bit like that with the Michael Jordan. Um, mm. That was interesting. interesting. Did was. you watch that? I watched a big chunk of it, but I found myself getting angrier, <laughs> going, you're not the nicest person <coughs> on the planet. It is now, winning at all costs
0: versus the community yeah. culture that we were talking about yeah. all yeah. today yeah. is yeah. very, very
1: different. It's, that's not what sport is for me. Sport is we're all in this together, we're all dragging each other along, we're all celebrating our successes together, and we're trying to get to a better place as a group and winning if i have to cheat or winning if i have to be a prick isn't good enough for me i I don't want to win like that i don't want to be part of that and i don't have respect for people like that so when i watched michael's thing i I went "Uh, you're not as nice as i i thought you were you know there's something not quite kosher about you and yeah you're, you're successful and Good on you, but, yeah. So I sort of drifted away from it a bit. So maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm not that killer instinct that I should have. But, it, yeah, that's to, he's disappointed me a little. Nowhere near as much as Lance Armstrong,
0: <laughs> who... Oh, just ripped, ripped everyone's heart out. Yeah,
1: he did. He really
0: did. Because so he was the reason why I got on the bike. I loved bikes as a kid, but he was the reason why you jump on. Yeah, you go. You buy all the Trek stuff, buy all his yellow yeah. live strong stuff.
1: And, and the... The story of the, the, you know, recovering from cancer and winning the, the tour and you know, doing all this stuff for cancer patients and and I suppose you could argue that he was able to do those things because he cheated, got away with it, and created the great story and and did and certainly did plenty of good things for, for good people, but he was still cheating, lying, you know, SIB. <laughs>
0: was unfortunately for us. Yeah,
1: yeah, and. And we're seeing he was certainly not the Lone Ranger. Have a look at the Russian athletic team. <laughs> like, really, yeah. what's going on with that?
0: How, how do you how do you deal with that knowing that they can't they can't compete at any any sporting, Well, they can in the UFC. That's different. But mm. if we're looking at the Olympic level, they can't uh, compete under the Russian banner. They've got to compete under a I want to say white flag banner. Yeah, but there's still some are still allowed to compete if
1: they didn't. Well, they've got to be able to prove that they weren't part of the, the they state. Part of it. Good luck with that for a start. You can't. You just how, how do you how do you do that? But you know, say they did, say they found found someone. Well, it's going to take a long time to um, to gain the world's trust. I remember um, listening to David Park and the coach of Carlton Football Club once, and he said, um, "Once trust is gone." You need to leave that organisation, and I reckon that's about right. Because you you're never quite right uh, once you once you've lost trust in that. And, and I I can't possibly trust the Russian athlete. You can't believe a word they say. Or, no, you know, can't trust Lance Armstrong. Whatever he says, I'm not going to believe anything he says. He's just covering his ass. You know, that once trust is gone, there is no coming back. In my in my humble opinion, I think most would agree on that. Yeah. And they're not the people that we want our kids to aspire to. You know, they're, they're not the they're not the dude that you know your kid watches and go. Oh, I want to be like that. You know, I want to be like Freeman, the, the just wonderful athlete. She's she's like gold. She's the one I want my kid to aspire to. Not <laughs> Not not these types. Dirtbag. <coughs> That's a shocker. No, can't do that.
0: So, do you get your head around the likes of a Lance Armstrong? Marion Jones, Mm. who are taking performance-enhancing drugs and then someone like a Usain Bolt comes through, breaks all the previous world records done by dopers, Mm. the four or five other Jamaicans get tested positive that weren't anywhere near Bolt. How do you trust – I find it hard to trust any athletes at that level Mm.
1: in any sport. You don't. You don't – I don't think you can. I I look at it and go – yeah, it's good. I hope he's clean. But if someone came up tomorrow and said H- Usain Bolt t- took drugs, w- would you be shocked and stunned? None the slightest.
0: Uh, the, there's the aspect of he was breaking world junior records at 15, and you go
1: maybe, maybe yeah, he's been doing it for. It was all right,
0: or maybe he's been taking drugs forever.
1: Possibly. So it's very, very hard. The you the want fact to, that, like you said, but the fact that so many. Like I think Lance was – he's the one that's done it for me. So from then on, you're never 100% certain. You know, you're never 100% sure and you go, I hope that's the case. But, you know, look back in, in history, they've been doing it for a very long time. They've been cheating for a very long time. But there's also been amazing people um, that have been beating the cheats for a very long time because of, you know, look at Satapek. You know, he was doing like 100, 400 sprints in his training. Nobody thought that was even possible. Uh, he showed the world that this is, mate, you think you train hard? Have a look at this. Uh, and he was exploring every known possibility. I read somewhere that he was in, in the in the bath. He put all the wet clothes in the bath. And he'd run on the spot in the bath and until all the all the water was drained out of all the, all his clothes. This dude was trying Everything. every possible weird thing. if it meant doing a 400s with I think he had like a I think it was a hundred and fifty meters recovery. Then he'd do another hundred uh, four hundred, sorry, and he did did a hundred of those. Like so there were uh, the freaks out there, the banisters and all these these guys that are you guys can cheat. I'm not going to cheat. I'm just going to explore every extreme, you know, possibility and, and find a way to beat you guys. And they're the guys I look at and go, "Wow, wow. that inspires the heck out of me." You know, you're weird. <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> You've got a pain tolerance that none of us can deal with. But, but God bless your cotton socks because you, you're just refusing to let those obstacles get in the way. I'm going to find a a way, under it, over it, around it. And that's the cool thing about gun athletes is that they find a way. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know there's an obstacle, but I'm going to find a way past this stuff. I'm not accepting that there's an obstacle. I'm just going to keep going until I find a way. And that's, that, that's the dude that I want my kids to aspire to be, the, the resilient guy that goes, yeah, okay, there's obstacles, but I'm going to find a way. We're going to get past this thing. And invariably mankind has been able to do that. There's plenty of examples where there's been this unbelievable obstacle. You know, the four-minute classic. Nobody thought that could be done. That could be done. There's guy Ross Edgley who's who's just uh, two thousand eighteen, I think it was. He swam around England and did really? a lap, did a lap of England, as you do, as you do. One hundred and fifty-seven days of swimming, and he got, uh, and he kept going until he got, got round. And swimming in lanes where there's ships going past, there's all sorts of crazy shit going on. No thanks. And he he went off to a number of universities and got tested. And the the scientist said, "Mate, you can't do this. You haven't got the body for it. You're not an elite swimmer. You you just you're a little mesomorph muscular guy. Your legs are too big and heavy, and your head's too big. It's going to sink and." And you've never done any competitive swimming, <laughs> and he's <laughs> gone well. Just fucking watch me. <laughs> I was gonna say that's the biggest. Watch me. Yeah, and, I've ever heard. And yeah. away he went. And he trained his trained, which was really interesting. He did a lot of resistance training to make his body resilient to cope with the swimming. So most people would have gone. And all the elements that go along with the yeah, beach beach yeah, swimming. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he said, you know, you swim in a pool, it's all about technique. Beautiful, form, lovely, great. You swim in 10-foot waves, there's no te- technique, mate. You've got to find a way to to get the job done. So he said, I bulletproofed all my joints by lifting big, heavy weights. I was strong as fuck. So when I got hammered by that wave, I could keep going again and again and again. He is an amazing, mm. amazing human being. That's incredible to yeah. do that. And, but people said it couldn't be done. It just, you can't do it, like It's freezing cold and it's just not going to happen. And you're swimming through the top part of England where there's just, it's where all the jellyfish come come through and it's kind of this funnel of these killer jellyfish go through through it. And um, he said, yeah, yeah, no, I can do this. And he got in there and, and um, went through this section where there was all these jellyfish and was getting stung like 20 times an a eight-hour swimming shift incredibly painful so he sat in the boat and they said what what can we do um so one of the guys on the boat said we need to find a way to cover your face but you can still breathe Mm. and so somebody said well why don't we get one of those gimp masks you know from the sex shops and they said (laughs) (laughs) that's different that's different but it will cover your face you can get the goggles on You've got that open airway that's got uh, clips and things, whatever it's got on it, so you can still breathe. And all of a sudden, he was able to then swim in amongst all the jellyfish and not get stung. And it was a classic example of how an athlete goes, there's an obstacle, it's stopping me from doing what I want to do, how do I get around it? Not accepting it and going, oh, well, I just can't swim, I'm not going to do it. He's gone, no, fuck it, I'm going to find a way. And it means I have to wear a silly gimp mask when I go swimming I'll, I'll do it. I'm doing it. And there's not a lot of people here to see me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, just don't take photos in those eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So f- obstacles are there and they're always going to be there. Our job is to find a way. Our job is to help our clients find a way to get, get, that, get past that obstacle. Instead of what I see a lot of is the yeah, but response. Oh, yeah, I want blah, 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 but. I've got a gammy leg, or I've got this, or I don't have time. If I have one more client tell me they don't have time, I'm just gonna scream because that's bullshit. That's absolute the most pathetic excuse of all time is I don't have time. You do you absolutely have time. There's
0: plenty of time through the day. Yeah, what you've got. You're just choosing not to. Yeah, you're choosing you not want to. Don't the goal enough.
1: Or your priorities, it's not high enough on your priorities. So don't. If if I said to you, um, you're going to die. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to die. Or I've got a gun at your head and I'm going to shoot you. You'd find that time because your motivation is suddenly very, very different. So I don't accept the time thing because you can you, you can get a great result with just 10 minutes. You can go in the corner and just hammer your body. Tell me if you do 10 minutes of burpees, you're not going to improve your fitness. You're pretty skyrocketed after 10 minutes of burpees. Absolutely. That's an incredible amount of, yeah, of effort going through there. You're that. really stuffed and you've hit pretty much every every muscle group in your body you've worked aerobically anaerobically you you've you're gaining strength you're improving your flexibility you're hitting your entire body and you need zero equipment bugger all space so yeah mate we can do this if we want to in fact you look at um soldiers you know in iraq they're they're finding little corners and they're lifting rocks they're finding ways to do resistance training and that was one of the things i found interesting in Ross Edgley's book was he's swimming around England but he would swim with the tides which meant he had to swim for six hours straight continuously because he's going with it he'd jump out and you would think he would just recover but he would get out of that and he would still do uh, an hour to two hours of resistance training to strengthen his body to make it make sure it stayed resilient and to help recover from the swim because he said you just used the same muscles and the same movement the whole time. All of a sudden, everything drops away. He said it got to a stage where his legs were like bloody jelly because he was never, never standing on them. So he had to do you know, an hour of squats and leg raises and things on the boat to strengthen his legs because his muscles were just going, wow, disappearing. Um, so it's it's all about finding out what the, what are the obstacles, not accepting it coming up with a plan, trialling the plan, seeing what works, what doesn't, and then constantly refining and refining and refining. And before you know it, hey, presto, we're where we want to be.
0: Sounds like the way to go. It is the way to go. I mean, that was two hours. Flew by. No way. That was two hours. Incredible. That was a whole lot of fun.
1: It was a whole lot of fun for us. We probably bored 2,000 people to death.
0: I, I don't give a shit. (laughs) <laughs> i learned some things. It was good. I'm sure they did too. Oh dear, mate. So that was awesome. that how, was awesome. How do people how do people find you?
1: Look, they can go just uh, My Body Analysis is probably the easiest place t- to find me. Um, if they go to the mybodyanalysis.com.au, they'll, they'll dig me up. And if they're interested in a test or looking at uh, a corporate program or anything like that, or they just want to chat, throw around some ideas, don't hesitate to give me a ring or a text or an email. And Instagram. Instagram, good old famous Instagram. God,
0: good funny videos and memes on that one you have there. You realise
1: I have the worst Instagram um, site of all time. I keep telling people when I take photos, I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to put you on my Instagram page, and I've got three people who follow me: Um, (laughs) mum and the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) let's hope that's that's changing. (laughs) I'm sure it will. Thanks very much for your
0: time today, John. Absolute pleasure. Good luck getting getting back in the ring. Absolutely, we'll be on the bike very shortly.
1: Awesome, mate. Thanks,
0: man. Thanks for having me. Fun.
1: Awesome. Cheers.